Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 392 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this lovely one uh, Monday, Richard? Uh, I'm doing well, Seth. How are you doing? Hi. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing super well. Uh, and we got another co-host today in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Yo, what's up? I am awake. <laughs> that's that's a good start. That's a good <laughs> that way to start your slept. day. I would that's be good. afraid if that's you good. were not. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's good. So, uh, so yeah, Crim's awake. Richard's here. I'm here. We're going to talk some magic. Today we have some, uh, not a ton of topics. We got the full anthology list for Historic and Explorers. So last week we had a couple of cards, but we want to talk about the full list. Just this morning, we got the 2022 State of Design article from Mark Rosewater, which is kind of interesting. So we want to talk about that. There's some other smaller topics about uh, some giveaways and promos that we might hit up and then answer your fish mail questions. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection, and their curated shipment service for a little while now. As long as your cards have at least a $2 or more retail value, you can send in as many of them as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip over all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out, and you'll even get a detailed report with the results, so you can check out Card Card Conduit's curated shipment option is a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish, Card Conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic, and let's start with the anthology. So last week when we did the podcast, I think we had three cards each from uh, the Explore Anthology and from Historic Anthology 6. Now we have the full list. So let's talk a little bit about uh, these releases. Richard, why don't you let us know what's actually in these sets? Let's start with the Explorer first, I guess, because that's the one everyone had been waiting for. So what do we get in Explorer Anthology 1? All right, Explorer Anthologies 1. Uh, 20 cards. Uh, Kalidas, Trader of Get, Kalitas. Rally the Ancestors, Mausoleum Wanderer, Tainted Remedy, Alesha Who Smiles at Death, Tireless Tracker, Hangerback Walker, Siege Rhino, Slaughter Games, Supreme Verdict, Favorite Hoplite, and Soul Artifact, Searing Blood, Back to Nature, Battlewise Hoplite, Darksteel Citadel, Shadowborn Apostle, Teamer Battle Rage, Titan Strength, Elvish Mystic. Those are your 20 cards coming to Explorer, or already in Explorer by now. Uh, wait. No, not not to explore that. Some of that's historic. No, some of that's, no, historic. that's all. Explorer. I think that's all. That's all explorer. I think. But I believe that's all explorer stuff. Wait, was that all? Was oh, yeah. and just just so it's clear, because there's there's still some confusion about this when we talk about explorer. Sometimes, explorer is arena pioneer with the idea being it's going to be full pioneer, but we don't have all the cards yet. So. The goal, I think, one of the biggest goals of these anthologies is to push Explorer towards being full Pioneer. So, Krim, you play a lot of Explorer. I play a lot of Explorer. How would you rate this Explorer anthologies? Like, uh, this is the first one we've gotten. Are you happy with it? Is this what we're looking for? What's your kind of overall takeaway on this anthology? Uh, wh Why in the world 
do we have some of the cards that got included? Uh, mostly just because like some of the cards I don't think really mattered all too much. Why do we have Tainted Remedy? I mean, I, I guess no matter what, I was, I was going to be happy personally. Cause, you know, we finally got Cleus <laughs> and that, that is a card that I've been like dying to play with on Arena. Uh, and since it's hit Arena, oh my God, I've had some of like the most amazing games. Uh, and then of course, Supreme Verdict was pretty big for me, but, I do think like back to nature also was kind of weird and I don't know like it just feels like there could have been a few more staples and immediately uh that would have helped a few archetypes out a little bit more but it just feels like more of it the top end decks did just get more spells except for like maybe red white like here uh like heroic that or like even Jeskai heroic that that and like scissors and dark steel citadel was pretty big. I, I like those for like, you know, the the non rakdosy decks and then like, you know, blue white control deck. Yeah, I think this anthology for me, it really depends on what perspective you look at it from. If you look at it through the lens of past anthologies, which are typically a couple of good cards, a bunch of okay cards, and then some jank slash filler slash useless cards. From that perspective, I think Explore Anthology 1 is, it's solid. It's like what I would expect out of Anthology release. On the other hand, if you look at this from the perspective of, I want Explore to become Pioneer as quickly as possible, I don't think this did a very good job of turning Explore into Pioneer. Yes, Kalitas is heavily played. Yes, Supreme Verdict is heavily played. Sure, Favorite Hoplite kind of does some things. Elvish Mystic is a big one. But I made a video in an article a couple of months ago about like the top 10 cards that I thought we needed to actually make Explore into Pioneer with a focus on cards that would like bring new archetypes onto Arena and into the format. And the only one that we actually got was Elvish Mystic. And I too was a little disappointed that the best cards we got, like if you were going to take the top three cards, it's probably Kalidus, Supreme Verdict, and Elvish Mystic as far as just which cards see the most play in Pioneer. Those are all cards that kind of just slot into decks that are already the best decks in the format. Like sure, you can do other things with them, but Kalitas goes right into Rakdos, already one of the best decks in Explorer. Supreme Verdict goes in Blue Eye Control, already a top tier deck in Explorer. Elvish Mystic goes into Mono Green, already a top tier deck in Explorer. So rather than like creating new archetypes. It seems like wizards use this anthology to like fill out the gaps in the decks that were already good. Like now you can just copy and paste whatever pioneer blue white control list you want and play it in Explorer, which I guess is nice. I do want all those cards on there, but I was hoping for more uh, cards that kind of create new archetypes rather than just cards that fill out existing archetypes. And I got to say like slaughter games, really Whoa. disappointed me Ugh, slaughter games was the worst because slaughter games only sees playing yeah, that, niv. That, that was... it only see plays in niv but you can't play niv because there's no bring delight but instead of bringing a spring delight which would make live into a play playable archetype they gave us slaughter games that can't see play really until they give us bring delight so it's just like i don't know stuff like that it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way with some of the choices clearly you've missed one main deck uh -oh. that is finally now unlocked and, and it is Grixis mid-range. <laughs> Yo, I'm not even joking. Kalidus is fire in that deck. That deck is exactly like I, I've gotten uh, a few trophies with it uh, and whatnot. Like Grixis mid-range. Come on. I mean, Kalidus is so sick there. And then you get to like play Nico Bolas. Your four drops are now just like a like a absurdly good. Oh, 
I mean, that's Kalidus is one of the most one of the best cards, but Kalidus to me doesn't really feel like a archetype creator as much as like if you're playing its colors, you're going to play a couple copies because it's just like a really good card in most matchups. But I don't know. Do you think it actually creates new archetypes in Explorer that like didn't exist pre Kalidus? I do think that it does actually make like mid range decks, right? And like decks that um kind of like now black has a such a powerful four drop that can just like take over a game instantly like against an aggro deck like how, how do they, like they have to answer it right they, they, they just or, or they lose because yeah. if i untap and i remove anything then it's like well now i'm gonna go extremely wide uh and you know w- like just from playing with it over the weekend we are now people are learning how good of a threat uh Kalidus is uh, just through like like a lot of the newer players, like I they're seeing it now when I can attack and then sack a zombie token, and now I'm gaining five life as opposed to three life, and like mono red just like falling farther and farther behind. Every time they play a creature, it gets removed. I'm gaining more life. It's just a miserable time for aggro decks. So uh, because mono red was extremely powerful, right? Or it was really really fast, super solid. Uh, and it was like legitimately just running people over, right? So now I have a main deckable like thing that will kill you, not just like some cheeky, I don't know, gain some life here and there. So I I think Kalidus does actually help make like any black based mid range deck even more viable now. And I don't just have to play strictly like a control version of Grixis. But isn't Rakdos mid range already like? the most popular deck or like one of the most popular decks even pre Kalidus. like i feel like black um, midrange yes. was already at the top of the meta so i guess it's cool that like now you can play well, worse versions of Rakdos not. by splashing nicole voluses but, whoa, but whoa, whoa, i don't that's know that's not worse versions <laughs> come on now that's not because the, then you also have salty midrange and which i've been trying with tireless tracker mm-hmm. like i mean <laughs> Yeah, sweet. yeah, I'm playing That's Tireless sweet. Tracker. The like Tireless Tracker, one of the best blue cards of all time. You know, totally think, a blue card. I, I think Red got the got the short end of the stick on this one. Like the mono red deck got Searing Blaze, which that is a relevant like play it in your sideboard card. Maybe you can main deck it in certain matchups or certain metas. But it didn't get either of the big hitters, which is Swiss Beer Eidolon, where like the two really big pieces that, they were missing, that make and sense. then. And then you get Kalidus, which just absolutely owns Mono Red. So I feel like Red got a ton worse because of this anthology. Yeah, I, I don't know why Eidolon... Or, like, I, I assume that Swift Spear was coming uh, along with Eidolon because of Kalidus. Yeah. I just assumed they they were going to... Like, now, I do agree that these anthologies or this anthology so far has really just pushed the power level, level of, like, any mid-range and control deck. Um, different... All different archetypes of mid range, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. You can play Grixis all, now. All I got it. Based and decks. <laughs> yes, yes. Kalidus based mid range and Sultai. Don't forget Sultai. You keep forgetting. You can put Kalidus and Sultai. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Mardu. Oh, I also and was like Abzan. 
Also, oh, we got Siege Rhino, uh, yeah. We got Rhino, so Ab's at mid-range is the new tier, slot, uh, two, tier zero. Your drop slot is clogged up here. Right, Kalidus? You're going to Nah, nah. You just play Rhino. <laughs> Who needs Kalidus if you have Siege Rhino? Come on now. Okay, let's not, let's not, okay. Uh, I, I will say something, though. Over the weekend, I learned something very much so, and it is that, yo, y'all really like Siege Rhino. <laughs> like I was streaming, everyone's like, "Yo, have you tried a Siege Rhino deck? Yo, have you tried a Siege Rhino deck? People love Siege Rhino." I'm like, "Yo, hold on, why are y'all forgetting about the best four drop, Kalidus? <laughs> Kalidus is too new. I mean, like, also, you gotta go old school. <laughs> Kalidus is actually good, dude. Pe- <laughs> Siege Rhino's a beast. People love love Siege Rhino." <laughs> And Siege Rhino just costs rare wild cards, which I wonder if that helps a little bit. You don't get to spend mythics like you do on Kalitas. I will say, like, I expected against odd style cards, so I'm not disappointed that we got Tainted Remedy or Shadowborn Apostle, which are, like, janky brew-around cards. Although I felt like those cards could have been better like i would have rather seen i don't know like biovisionary or uh oh, what's the what's the demon where if it attacks and isn't blocked you put someone to one life like that works really well with alicia that oh, would have maybe cruelties. made yeah if we got master of cruelties instead of tainted remedy maybe there could be some weird alicia try to reanimate master of cruelties like jank deck so i don't know i i would give it like a b maybe b minus overall like as far as oh. as far as what i was looking for i i don't think it was a failure by any stretch and i think it definitely confirms that wizards is going to take several years to put full pioneer on here like this is not the like here's the top 20 list of cards that are missing like go play pioneer now this is the like slow drip of like here's a couple of cards you really need and a bunch of other stuff which is fine but i think we gotta at this point shift our expectations and take wizards at face value that when they say they're gonna take several years to release pioneer cards it seems like this anthology backs that up like the the pacing of it but what do you think about all Santa Claus isn't real. I'm glad you finally (laughs) figured this out. Um, I I don't know. You were saying this the whole time. The whole time you were the one that was like, yeah, you guys are getting your hopes up. You guys are getting your hopes up. And it it looks like maybe Richard was uh, speaking words of wisdom. I was the optimist, all right? (laughs) I'm sorry. We're just going to sandbag this. I think actually what they're going to do is going to try to rotate the top archetypes so the format looks fresh. So it's actually a bit shocking to me that the best archetypes just got more cards. <laughs> I like. I, I would expect them to try to shift it around uh, with the release of the anthologies, but they didn't do that. So it's a bit weird. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there are playable cards in here, and then there are some build around me. It's like I don't know why Titan Strength is here. Do people play that still? But uh, <laughs> no, without Swift Spear, really. maybe with Swift Spear you would play it, right? But <laughs> without Swift Spear, it's a little it's a little weird. But I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna stretch it out. Uh, and also remember that Uh-oh. these cards go into historic as well. I don't know if there's any consideration for that, if they're using this as ways to sneak cards into historic, um, but that is a thing. Speaking of uh, historic, we also got historic anthology number six. Oh. What are we in that one? Oh, if you were disappointed with <laughs> Explorer. Amazon <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angel of Hope, Goshintai mm-hmm. of Life's Origin, Tarmogoyf. Staples. Phyrexian yeah, Metamorph. Staple. Knight of Souls Betrayal. Ophiomancer. Uh, Lelia the Blade Reforged. Chalice of the Void. Retrofitter Foundry. Glimpse the Unthinkable. And 10 Indestructible Artifact Lands from Modern Horizons. <laughs> 10. Oh, 
People. Those lands are disrespectful. <laughs> Those lands are disrespectful. They should have given them oh to you for God. free. <laughs> Dude, they shouldn't give these to you at all. Why are these okay, in okay. here? I, I've heard this. Like, okay, I've heard this is this is giving wizards benefit of the doubt that um, Domin- Dominar United, Brothers War, etc. The upcoming standard sets will be heavily artifact focused and. These 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 lands will be the nuts, and so they're just setting you up for that. They're setting you up for the future sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I, that's probably true. Though. <laughs> I I kind of buy into that camp, but at the same time, like, ah, do you really have to spend half of anthology on <laughs> those cards, or could you just put a bundle in the store or something? Like, it seems like there's plenty of ways that you could release those lands that is not through an anthology. Because what it did for me is just like discourage me from buying that anthology when I looked at it and maybe I'm thinking it wrong because all the other cards are rares and mythics so maybe if you actually add up the value maybe it's actually the same as the the explorer one that had one mythic and a few rares but then a ton of uncommons and commons maybe the value is actually like comparable but it made me think wow why would I ever buy this anthology because I have so many common wild cards I'll just get these lands with my common wild cards and ignore the anthology so I wonder if doing it this way actually like unintentionally discourage people from picking up the anthology because I heard a lot of people say like well I guess I'm not buying historic anthology now because it's 10 common lands okay first off like if they're gonna put commons and we're worried about like wild card stuff like yo there's like better commons you could have put there's there's hedron crap just or I don't know that's uncommon whatever (laughs) but the point here is like just just downshift it to commoners I don't care like the thing here is do do not give me 10 historic (laughs) like these artifacts like are you joking like (laughs) all right everybody here it is like just just make it so that you drop these lands with dominaria and you know maybe that allows you to make another anthology you want to talk about like adding some some of the things add like great great furnace or something do the other uh lands i think the other lands are more interesting like great furnace and and i can't remember anything that isn't the great furnace one right now but like the thing here is i i think that these there's just other commons they could have put into historic why (laughs) now however like i do i do love so I, I don't know if you've been tuning into to, to my streams. I have been I've been channeling my inner Richard. Richard has been it, like like everyone's coming to the chat saying, "Yo, you're doing Richard proud right now." Richard, I want you to know I've spent the last weekend casting Tarmogoyfs and and fairly, by the way, there's no fetch lands. There are no fetch lands in this format except for Fabled Passage. And let me tell you. I got pants a lot. <laughs> like we're playing this. What was the biggest you had? Grim, two, three. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Okay. Okay. So I did. I did get it to a six, seven. All right. It took a lot of work, and this is like turn nineteen or something like that. I'm like, finally, six, seven, baby. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I lost to Merfolk, <laughs> um, who then used Merfolk Trickster to pants my Tarmogoyf, <laughs> and then, and dude, I lost to a lot. <laughs> Oftentimes it was a one-two, <laughs> and then, or and at best I'm like, yo, two-three though. You can't shock this, and. <laughs> Oh man, it got fatal push left and right. I I don't know if I like okay, there were some games where it really stood out for me. But but you know what made me real happy? 
it wasn't even in the historic anthologies. It was from the Explorer one. I put Teamer Battle Rage in my decks, and I just started playing Death Shadow. <laughs> that, that made more sense than Ah, you than realize Tarmogoyf. that modern players have figured out that the one-drop 12-12 yeah. was better than your two-drop. <laughs> Yo, I was dropping that in Shadow of Mortality, which was already better than Tarmogoyf. Because <laughs> that didn't get Fatal Push. Like, okay... I, I, I'm being a little harsh on Tarmogoyf. It, it had its games where it was stellar. Like, it was like, haha, mono red. And then it was very much so people were learning how the, like, you know, state based actions and all that stuff worked when, when they connected, right? Like, some people would hit me with, tar- like, first strike, and I'm like, okay, so you've now grown my Tarmogoyf. <laughs> <laughs> or not my Tarmogoyf, my Death Shadow, but like, you know, like the, like there were, like I would, like there would be things that would be put in the yard, it would instantly grow the goyf, and I don't know, it, it, it was, it was just okay. Tarmogoyf without fetch lands, and like not being at least a 3-4 or something like that on turn two, is just so power crept out of the game! <laughs> I mean, come on! <laughs> I mean, really, looking at this historic anthology, is there much that actually impacts historic, like, has a heavy impact on the top of the meta? I'm not sure there really is. Like, Tarmogoyf might be the most impactful card, and based on what Prim's saying, it's not actually, like, all that great in the format. To me, it seems like the historic anthology is a lot, uh, in large part, designed to support Historic Brawl, like Avicens and Goshen Ties and Phyrexian Metamorphs and even a Fiomancer. Like, those all seem like Historic Brawl cards to me. So I don't know. It seems like maybe, are we are we getting to the same point we are in paper where every paper product's a commander product? Is every arena product a Historic Brawl product? Is that the path we're heading down? No, 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 no. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I don't think, first off, I forgot Historic Brawl exists. <laughs> a second like the, but like i i don't i don't think so right like i just don't okay maybe goshintai i i believe is a historic brawl and an avison though those two are probably more likely to be uh historic brawl releases but the other cards are actually playable like i've seen phyrexian metaphor metamorph can go off even harder now with like with the uh uh garuda deck oh, another um, clone so you yeah. can yeah, it's another clone, and this one you can kind of now just officially just keep going uh, to the point where you mill everyone out. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that Chalice. I So, Chalice, you, the way you were talking about, like, the setting up for Dominaria, Brothers War and stuff, I think Chalice is setting up for something bigger and better when when that set drops. Because But as of right now... Chalice is the, the, like, when you play it in modern, the average mana cost is like one to two, right? Zero to like two. So you can definitely fit, like, shut down a solid chunk of decks if you put it on like one, right? And in historic, the mana value across the board is still like varied by a lot. So if I play Chalice on one, it's not going to do what you want it to do. You might dunk on the Phoenix player, but like, that's about it. Oh, it's, and my Death Shadow deck, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> Luris decks. Like, I think you're right, though. Chalice, I don't think it's really a main deck card at this point in Historic. I think it's more of, like, maybe a sideboard card for Luris and Phoenix. And even then, it might be too narrow because it's going to... I don't even think you can bring it in in most matchups. So I think maybe this is one 
it'll make more sense in the future. Like maybe this opens it up so eventually we can get some of the free spells like living end or restore balance, some of that stuff that you probably can't put in because someone will just cascade into them and it'll be busted. But if you have chalice, then all of a sudden, maybe it opens the door to putting some of that stuff in the format eventually. I think Glimpse the Unthinkable might actually be impactful. Like I feel like with Glimpse in Maddening Cacophony and Tasha Sidious Laughter, you can kind of just yeah. play Modern Mill and Historic now. <laughs> I don't know if that's a deck that people want to be good because people get so salty about Mill, but I kind of want to try Historic Mill just because it seems like you got all the pieces to actually have a pretty good deck now. Uh, so I I tried that. I I will I will say that it is still definitely missing uh the eight crab plan. Yeah. Having the like the like the four like Bruin crabs is not enough. Um, I think the issue is like, it's nice to have blockers (laughs) and on top of that, just like playing your lands and your fetch lands, like just milling people out for doing a basic game action you were going to do anyways, um, definitely makes it so that the turns you don't have glimpse or you have to hold up mana to counter stuff. Uh, it it is the hedron crab is severely like, like missed. Uh, I I will say that. So it, it, it doesn't feel as powerful as it is in modern yet it definitely feels a lot weaker and uh because you don't yeah because you don't have surgical yet right like surgical is pretty big and also visions of beyond is another big like you don't have that recall yes. button where you're just like oh ancestral recall like i get to play that or archive trap so i guess you're still missing you're still missing yeah. some important pieces i guess so all right so how do we how do we rate these anthologies overall give me give me a letter grade for both of them uh, and then we can talk about other stuff Krim. Um, I would, I, I will, I will say for Explorer, I rate it a K for Kalias. <laughs> okay. Is, okay. So banger or, or S tier for Supreme Verdict, not, not for Slaughter Things. <laughs> uh, but, but in, in, but then outside of that, probably like a, a C plus or like a B minus. Uh, I, I, I think that it needed, a, there's just some stuff in here that could have been made it way, more like added a few more like high end like maybe top 10 top 20 cards they could have added like imagine they added a spell queller right then you'd have spirits like like multicolored spirits like bant spirits and stuff like that um i i assume like the jankier cards would have eventually come but this is what i was saying when like a while back i was talking about it she's like i think like if we got like a hundred cards um within a year like and in those hundred cards, they weren't random meme things like Titan Strength or something or Shadow Burns Apostle. We would have Pioneer. Yeah, that's all. It, that's all it takes. Like there's like a hundred cards yeah. that gives you like all the top tier decks. So, oh, but it's gonna take. It looks like a while to get those hundred cards. Uh, what about you, Richard? Yeah. You got a you got a grade for these anthologies? All right, I gave Explorer a C. Um, I think you need to add combo decks to the format. Otherwise, it's the same as every other format, <laughs> right? So, like, what's the point of playing more mid-range fests? Like, that's what standard is for. That's what every format yeah. before it was for. Like, when you play the older formats, you're expecting the combo decks. So they should have added combo pieces and the appropriate combo hate so that you can battle it out. And I give Historic Anthologies an F. It sounds like some intern decided to google some cards up from what was good in modern eight years ago and then uh, <laughs> ran out of time and decided to fill the last 10 slots with the land cycle um it's a little slap in the face I, I i don't know what they were thinking here maybe 
they're setting up for buffs or something. Like, imagine if they buffed Tarmogoyf. I doubt they will, though. But oh, they give oh. I, I think Seth is right that this was just for Commander, um, uh, which is basically a historic brawl. But I still don't get what Tarmogoyf is doing there, if that's the case, right? Or what Chalice <laughs> is doing there. So uh, it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice. And I'm not sure this inspires confidence in the historic format when I see this list. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty Aww. close to where Richard is, where, like, I would say Explorer is probably, like, high C or a low B. Like, uh, for me, I'm looking for those new archetypes, and I just feel like from that perspective, we didn't get much. Maybe there's, like, a heroic deck now, even though we didn't get Swift Spear, which would have helped. Maybe you can do some sort of Soul Artifact deck now, but that's still missing, like, Springleaf Drum and a couple other pieces that the Shrapnel Pioneer builds blast. play. So I feel like it didn't really add many new top-tier decks to the format, or even tier decks to the format. And then Historic. Oh. Uh, I'll give it a D. Like, I like Chalice. That's one of my favorite cards. I think it's cool that Tarmogoyf's on Arena. But as far as actually having an impact on Historic itself, I'm not I'm not seeing much. I'm not seeing much that's going to shake up the meta, especially now that we get all the alchemy cards in Historic as well. And there's just so many cards entering the format. I don't think these ones are actually going to have a big impact at this point. I think that, that some of these cards, like Historic Anthologies, has... Okay, Tarmogoyf actually does make somewhat of an impact, but outside of that, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of people play that, uh, foundry thing, uh, and, and, and yeah, like, that's, that's a, about it. That and, like, Lelia. Is the foundry but, good? Like, I, I, I think of that as, like, a Urza Saga target that I see in older formats as, like, a one of, but mm -hmm. is it actually good in a format without Urza Saga at all? I haven't seen it be, like, great. It's just okay. Like, it's a good one drop, right? But I, I don't know, like, I haven't seen the, the 10 cards that they added that could have been, like, the 10 lands they added, that's why it's just so disrespectful. <laughs> they could have definitely added a lot more there. Like, and, and also, why isn't Dark Confidant in this? That, yes, I, I am literally trying to build, like, if you're going to add blue cards for nostalgia <laughs> reasons, like, they should have replaced yeah. Tarmogoyf with Dark Confidant. Oh, no, they add both. <laughs> They, they they just add both. And Liana the Veil, like, Nazi. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just literally put John. Well, be, the, wow. The, the thing here is this still would be historic bad, right? is. Oh no no no! I, I mean, right now I'm playing Glint Sleep Siphoner, but it is it is. Yeah, okay. It's not as good as Bob. All right, I get it. I know. Okay, but it is weird because historic is all combo and like control, so. Them making mid range a possibility is really nice. I I will admit that, and I don't know. I just think they should un like unban Bolt and just let it run free in historic and see what that's all about. You have Thoughtseize. I think we can have Bolt. We can have Bob. We can have all of that. If there's a lesson for Wizards, I think it's. Historic would have went a lot better if you replaced those lands with 10 random commons and uncommons. Like, really choose yeah. any random commons and uncommons, and the reaction from the community would be better. So my feedback to Wizards would be, don't release especially 10-card common land cycles in anthologies. If you want to add them to the client, that's great. Add as many as you can, but find another way to release them and use the anthology slots that on something else, because we only get, what, a couple of these a year or something, on usually. Yeah. And just seeing half of one of them be dedicated to common lands it's just not exciting to people like it's not exciting so i think that would be the yeah. lesson wizards could take away for the future and i think the community reaction would have been much more positive 
if those lands were literally any other like semi playable combat. The Scars combat. lands. Right, yeah. add the scars of Mirrodin land. They, they give you and ten rare cycle lands. <laughs> Come on, Quill. I mean, you're but, right. Guildgates, game lands. But they could have they could have filled those slots with ten random commons and uncommons, and then put the land cycle in the store as a bundle, and I would have bought it. Like I, you would have got me twice. I probably would have bought the anthology if it wasn't lands, and then I would have bought the land bundle from the store anyway. So then you win. You you got my money two uh, two times from one anthology. So I think wizards would come out ahead doing it that way too if they just sold the lands as like a random anthology bundle I mean, or a random bundle in the store rather than the anthology. They really should have had like a historic event weekend where they had some special you know event play seven games of historic with some small entry fee and then given these out as like participation rewards right like common wild cards are free like have you met anyone who's run out of common wild cards like these are essentially worthless so they should give them out and make people feel good right I'm pretty yeah. close to running out. I think I'm at like 20,000 or something. <laughs> I mean, common wild cards are the things that you take and you, when a new set comes out, if you're someone who's like super, a uh, super whale, you like spend as many of them as you can to craft the new commons. So then you fill your vault slightly faster. Oh. Like that's the, that's but the is trick. Is you're supposed clicking, to just, though? That's a lot of clicking. No, it's, it's, oh, it's so much clicking, but no, it's probably not worth it. But a lot of us still, I think, do it to try to maximize our 0.1% of vault. That. Feeling. That's that's <laughs> terrible. This is a te- you're terrible for suggesting this stuff. Now someone's gonna be like, gotta get that value. Time to click, <laughs> click, click, click. Uh, all right, we we got one other topic I want to get to. Why we still have some time because it's kind of a big one. So the other than uh, those are the anthologies. We got Mark Rosewater's State of Design article. He's posted one of these every year since 2005, where he goes over the last year of Magic sets and talks about kind of the overall year and then the lessons and successes or highlights from each individual set. So, Richard, we've read this article. Why don't you guide us through and lead us to some of the highlights of this article? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just go over like the actual highlights, like the overall magic design, and then we'll we'll delve into some of the more interesting um, subtopics he talks about. Uh, but for overall magic, his highlights were, we pushed the boundaries of what magic can do. We experimented with how to properly readjust the color pie. We adapted our design to the feedback of our customers. So those are the positives. And the negatives overall were we need to be more conscious about backwards compatibility. Uh, We need to be careful with complexity and we need to be conscious of how we talk about our products. So what do you, what does this resonate with you? Does this sound like they learned something or (laughs) no? I actually think this is like, I think the lessons are true. I don't know if those are the only lessons, but I think those lessons are pretty good ones. When I think of like the backwards compatibility thing, I was wondering like, what what are they referencing? What is this in regards to? The best I could come up with was the werewolves from Innistrad. I don't know if you remember how they made the day and night mechanic, which was like an improvement over the original werewolf like flipping mechanic. But it also was really awkward because your cards didn't all work together. If you took your old werewolves and new werewolves and build a commander deck, things were flipping at random times and it was just a nightmare to track. So I'm guessing it was that. Are there any other examples you can think of from the last year that would be a failure as far as making new cards backward compatible or is that just like exclusively talking about werewolves i 
I, I swear I there's I mean, another I guess, mechanic that is there's something else we're missing that was like that. There probably is. Like what? I I, I guess I just don't know. I, I I'm trying to figure that out. Like what? I mean, I do think that focusing more on how new cards interact with old cards is that is important because I think what Wizards is talking about with this eternal world thing when I see that I'm pretty sure they're not talking about like oh we might print new cards that break vintage or legacy I don't think that's what they're thinking really? of eternal. I that's I what think, they were talking about <laughs> I think what they're talking about is is commander really like in commander people play with all the cards through magic's history we're designing new cards that people are going to combine with cards from 30 years ago and we want to make sure that they work well together so I don't see that as eternal formats as much as eternal world meaning commander. I don't know. Is that is that off base? What, what do you think about the eternal world that they're designing for? So, so from their wording of it, it's like ambiguous. It's unknown. But I thought they were hinting at the fact that, you know, they, they print a new mechanic in standard or something in, say, modern horizons. And then it like starts messing around with like modern legacy vintage and commander in ways that people don't appreciate. I thought that's what they were hinting at, but then we have stickers now, so I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But, like, is is this really, like, just day-night? Like, it has to be more than that, right, to be such a big lesson, right? I feel it's like they print something, it disrupts the whole format, and they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done that, right? Yeah, because, I mean, Wizards, uh, Morrow also goes through each set, so you'd think if it was just werewolves, that would be more of a, like, set-specific lesson than an overall lesson, so... I don't know. I think it's a good a good de- uh, design philosophy, though. I also think the one about it, yeah. being more conscious about how they talk about their products, I think, is is really big. I think we've had multiple issues with that. The The biggest one that came to mind for me was Commander Legends to Battle for Baldur's Gate, where I think a huge part of the issue with that set was not the set itself, but that people heard Commander Legends and expected something like the first Commander Legends, when really this was more like... The commander take on the standard uh, Forgotten Realm set. Like, it was more part two of that focused on commander. So I think that in uh, in ways like that, even just, like, naming the products, Wizards could do a better job because those things set people's expectations. And then you end up with a situation where a set that I think was actually super sweet in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate and I think was well-designed and flavorful for what it was trying to do ends up being viewed as, like, a bad set or a failure just because it didn't meet the expectations of how Wizards named and talked about the product. So I think that is also, like, really, really big. The way Wizards phrases things and the way they name things I think actually has almost like a, a thumbnail on YouTube or something. You think that's like inconsequential, but then it actually has a really big impact on what people perceive your video is going to be about. Same way with magic sets. Like you might think, oh, it's a throwaway to call it Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. But when it comes down to it, I think that name like played a huge role in the set, kind of getting a negative reaction from the community. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly kind of how that unfolded, right? Because... I mean, I don't know anything about Baldur's Gate, but I assumed you're getting something near the power level of the first one, the the actual. I, I mean, I guess the the first Commander Legends. I enjoyed Baldur's Gate. I think the draft and all that was fun, but I don't know. It just felt like a over overall just kind of underwhelming uh, when it comes to power level. Like like outside of like Displacer Kitten, and like yeah, there's already a, like the Dragon Cycle was cool, but there's lots of eight mana bombs right so i was hoping to see a 
a few more things at the lower part of the curve. So one one call out from the Crimson Vow section was the Dracula cards were well well received. So they got a lot of positive feedback who enjoyed the book and did a good job finding appropriate cards for the book's character and settings. Um, so this to me says more is coming. <laughs> Uh, remember, this was in a standard set too, right? This is not like a secret layer or something special, but it was a standard set that had a crossover that was theme appropriate, kind of like uh, the original Godzilla. I think we're at the point where with reskins, wizard uh, players are pretty fine with wizards doing that. Like going back to Godzilla and whatnot, I think at this point it's just fine. Like if you want to have a crossover and have it be reskins, players are mostly going to accept that. So I hope that's part of the lesson too is like, reskins good original cards and new sets that's where you still might get might get pushback from like secret layer x stuff and whatnot 100 percent wrong set it's <laughs> if the magic community likes the ip it's okay what they do with it if they dislike the ip no matter what they do with it is terrible <laughs> ah that that might like also street fighter <laughs> partly street fighter, true. mechanically unique no problem Perfect, perfect, right? That Fortnite reskins. Oh, this is terrible, guys, <laughs> right? Like, it has to do with the IP, and I think Dracula is just so neutral. I think. Iconic. Like, like okay. is it iconic? I feel like no one cares about this. Do people care about Dracula? <laughs> what? It's like... Wait, well, in uh, what sense? Like, just the drop? Or, or, or Dracula Like the IP. Like the IP. Like, yeah, Dracula, I, I think we IP. all know about Dracula, and we're like, yeah, it's fun. But, like, are there really, like, that many hardcore Dracula fans that are buying the packs to, to get it, like, in the same way you would probably see for Stranger Things or Street Fighter or things like that, right? I think it's just a neutral uh, IP. Yeah. It's a pretty safe IP, I think. Yeah, who's getting mad about Dracula? Like, uh, yeah. maybe just no one cares. Maybe it's not iconic. Maybe it's just like, like Richard said, so neutral that who's going to actually get actively angry about that? <laughs> what do you think about the complexity thing? That was the other one that stood out of the main lessons is we got to be careful with complexity. I might agree with that, but so, this looks so weird coming right off the, the spoilers for the unset. With like stickers and just incomprehensible rules that no one understands what's going on, it seems a little weird that they're uh, like they're saying yes, we got to be careful with complexity, but they're saying that like a week after spoiling some of the most complex and least backwards compatible cards that we've seen in a long time. Like, do you think these lessons are actually something? Wizards takes to heart and we'll see have an impact on design, or is this more? lip service to saying what the community would like them to hear <laughs> i think it's actually an in-between i think it's a little bit of lip service but i i think they'll slightly be more conscious of a lot of things so i don't know i i, I think i think they'll definitely do better right because they, they've every time Morrow's made an announcement i feel like they've pushed or he's kind of like somewhat kept his word in a way yeah so i, I you know and again maybe this is my optimism I, I maybe it's my optimism i don't know and it's important to realize that wizards is a big ship so even if they do realize yeah. this they're designing two or three years ahead so even if they're like we got to cut back on complexity we might not actually see the fruits of that lesson until like 2024 2025 or something even if they immediately start changing their philosophy but uh, sorry richard go ahead i was gonna say this is magic 
design lessons, right? And design is not the only consideration when making magic cards. Like if this was a company, it'd be something like lull secret layer equals free money, dollar, 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 right? <laughs> like they're still buying like wild cards on arena, haha, add more cards, make new form, you know, like you'd see more of that, right? Like it's possible that design wants to keep things simpler, but they're forced to make things more complicated so that people keep buying new cards, right? There, there's some like hidden agenda here of like, we need to keep power creeping everything so people keep buying new cards in an eternal world, right? The implication of eternal world is all cards are viable at all times. To sell new cards, you need to power creep, right? So there are some implications here that are not within the design space that are, you know, a part of wizards that aren't listed. So I would say this is probably correct, but someone probably, you know, smacks him down and says, no, add more mechanics. We need more mechanics to sell, right? <laughs> we need we need to sell more tokens, right? We we have this new 105-card deck box we need to push, right? Like, add more game pieces, right? So I, I feel there's other forces just other than purely design here. I, that's probably true. There are a lot of competing voices and factors, it seems like, when it comes down to designing a set and what makes it in it and all that stuff. And some of the stuff Miro mentions, like, I'm sure it's not even part of his job. Like, he calls out uh, the feedback that the new triple lands from Strusunukapenna should have been called Triumphs. Like, that was a lesson that they learned. And I think that is a lesson and a good one. But I don't think Mark Rosewater himself, it's not like he's naming the Triumphs and deciding what name they have. So there's so many different people that go into this. I also appreciated him pretty directly calling out Double Feature uh, as, a, as a big miss. And... I think that it was in a whole bunch of ways. The messaging was bad. The set itself was bad. Like, pretty much everything about Double Feature was bad. And I'm glad that Wizards also realizes that that was bad because I really don't want to see more Double Features. Like, more cool supplemental products, sure. But Double Feature itself, oh my goodness, that was a very forgettable, disappointing set. <sighs> that I was so hyped on that. And then and then they just, I don't know, that was a big missed opportunity. Yeah. It could have been so cool, and it ended up being, like, the just the worst possible version of itself, like, in basically every way. There's so many ways it could have been a cool product, and, like, every single way it was not those things. Any other uh, thoughts on any of this stuff from the State of Design article? All right. Well, we got a couple other uh, uh, quick topics to get to before we get to fish mail. These uh, kind of quick hitters, not a ton to say about them. One is there's a new uh, promotion going on involving uh, your buddy Posty Crim. What is uh, Post Malone up to these days? <laughs> well, it looks like now if you or it was announced by Whatnot, I believe. Right. Yeah. Whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. If you. Yeah. OK. So if you beat Post Malone. You you can win a hundred thousand dollars. Now, like I don't I don't know what happens if you lose to him. I, I don't think you owe him a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe you do, uh, but yeah, somewhere in the fine print, in very very small print, you owe him a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. So it, they announced though apparently that Posty's gonna play a game of Magic against one randomly a selected opponent, and he'll give them a hundred k if they win. Simple as that. Um, I guess like the minor details are like, I believe the live stream is on August 4th. Uh, yeah, I think that. So my understanding is, so if you want a chance to do this, you need to sign up for a whatnot account and follow Post Malone before August 4th. And then on the 4th, 
Post Malone is going to do a live stream, and that's when they're randomly going to select one of the people that followed him based on this promotion to play against him. The winner's actually, it's kind of actually a cool promotion. Uh, apparently, they're flying the winner out to Los Angeles to actually, like, play a paper game, and they didn't announce the format yet, but Reed Duke is going to be your coach for that week and, like, train you. So even if you've never played Magic before, you get Reed Duke to, like, give you all of his wisdom <laughs> to hopefully beat Post Malone and win $100,000. Although, I kind of wish it was, like, a best of something, like... One game, this could go very wrong. If they're really just playing one game, you know how disappointing it would be if this ends with just, like, the winner getting mana screwed or something? That would be such an anticlimactic way for this $100,000 promo to end. I mean, it says you don't need your own deck and that you need to be prepared for anything. And given that you're training with Reed Duke for a week, and I assume they want some content out of this rather than, like, 10 minutes of gameplay, it's probably going to be, like, a gauntlet series with, like, multiple decks or something, right? And That'd be sweet. Yeah. So I, I, I don't understand why you have to beat him to win the 100k, though. Like, if you lose, they just pocket 100k, Post Malone walks away and buys another Black Lotus. Like, I'm so confused why. <laughs> I mean, so, so why really, they're, they're, they're advertising this as Post Malone giving you $100,000, but... I mean, it's probably what I mean, it's definitely what thousand dollars, right? Like, Post I don't Malone think you're really reaching into Post Malone's pocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, worst case, if you lose, now you get to go to LA and hang out with Post Malone and Reduke for a week. That's pretty cool. Like, that's that's the floor. Like, even if you lose and don't get the hundred k, that's still kind of a cool prize. Yeah. I I mean, like, it seems like a fun thing to have happen. I I've been recently seeing a lot of whatnot. For those that don't know what whatnot is, it's like a an auctioning platform. But like live, yeah. So think Twitch, but I sell you stuff. It's it's kind of <laughs> like if you ever saw like a box break stream, that type of stuff, where like you can pay someone to open a pack for you, and then they ship you the cards from the pack. I looked at it a little bit, and it seemed like a lot of it was stuff like that, uh, which is it's kind of cool. That's something that's you don't see a lot of is, uh on Twitch. So it's something different at least. But yeah, I'm not super super familiar with it. We also got news that uh, stickers worked the way that we thought they did with stuff like Pithing Needle that was uh, confirmed by Wizards this week. So you can change your Jace's name or whatever, change the name of your thing to avoid the legend rule. All those shenanigans that you think would work with stickers do actually work according to the rules. We also got a, a couple of new promos. Richard, uh, what are our new RCQ promos? All right, uh, RCQ promos, Selfless Spirit, Thraven Inspector, uh, and then Gideon, ally of Zendikar. A lot of white cards. Hilariously. Yeah, that's like... <clears throat> Thrace <laughs> might be the best card of those. The most played. The random common. <laughs> Sounds like they should put it in anthology This would be... <laughs> this is the first Thraben... Ins- this is the first different art for Thraben Inspector, right? I believe so. I think this is the first uh, first promo. It might be for Selfless Spirit, too, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one other bit of news, and I don't know if you all know more about this than I do. There was an announcement that Wizards is setting up a video game production studio led by Dragon Age producer. Uh, I don't know any of those words. <laughs> do do any of those words matter? Like, should I be excited about this? What does this mean, Richard and Grim? So if you haven't played Dragon Age, that is like one of... that. I think that game is like iconic for me. Like that, that, that first... Dragon Age was really good. Um, but then they but all the sucked. thing here is... <laughs> yeah, well, they, they did suck up until Inquisition. So that was game what number was four. Was it good again? Should I play it? 
Uh, Inquisition was good. I, I liked Inquisition. I thought two and three were like straight up caca. <laughs> but like, I I don't know what this means though. Like, what does that mean for magic? Like, are they? Because the way I I think Inquis or Dragon Age had the benefit of having like the entire look of like world of warcraft without Mm -hmm. having to be online in a subscription like just from like the grid and the way everything looked in the game right like uh but but art style wise it's like if you had the grid of world of warcraft but then you had the art style of like like skyrim and stuff like that so it was a nice mixture and i and i liked how that looked so that's why I i think the charm of the first dragon age worked for me but what is that how does that translate into magic like I would if you're telling me that this means that it leads to a game of Magic the Gathering playing like exactly like a Dragon Age game, okay, I'm listening. But which Dragon Age game? <laughs> and, uh, this is just uh, the person that worked on Dragon's Age now works at Watsy's new studio, right? So this is not an explicit collab or anything, right? It's just like Right, right. Uh CEO of Wizards and Hasbro came from I forgot where it was, Microsoft or something, right? It doesn't mean we're making Windows here. Right, right. <laughs> in Magic the Gathering, right? But it, it's just a new studio made by someone with apparently some pedigree. Now, I don't know which dragons age they're responsible for, so it could be good pedigree or bad pedigree, but uh, it's just a new studio. Um which tells us like more Wizards IP games coming out by Wizards of the Coast themselves and they're not like doling it out and selling the IP to other companies. Whether this means a new D&D game, a new magic game, like, you know, think of all the magic spinoffs, like the magic puzzle games and whatnot. Um, I don't know. Or a magic It could be a magic, MMO. you know, RPG but we'll forget yeah. about the yeah, one that actually please. happened. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it's just like, more in-house please. development, which I don't know if that bodes well for us. Uh, Wizards hasn't really shown themselves to be competent at making digital products and games, but <laughs> they're common, right? And I mean, at least it seems like they're hiring a competent person to lead the studio. So I guess that's, that's like good news, even if I don't know much about the games that the person has made. But I don't know. I guess it's cool. I, I assume sooner or later, like the law of averages things, if Wizards just keeps pumping out like five games a year, sooner or later, they'll accidentally make a good one. It just like it's got to happen. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's sooner or later. Some kind of gambler's fallacy or something going on here. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah, they'll accidentally make something that's good. <laughs> the worst part, though, is if they accidentally make something good, then they're going to try to recapture the magic and then mess it up. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that's all of our uh, all of our news for this week. We got a couple of minutes, so Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, John CG, to solve the problem, question mark, of monkeys and elementals in modern, what are your thoughts on sets like Modern Horizons having a rotation? When Modern uh, Modern Horizons 3 comes out, Modern Horizons 1 rotates. Then the decks with cards from standard can have more playability over time. Well, okay, so in theory, I, I I actually really like the idea of that. I think that's great. Uh, but the problem is the reason why people like buying modern cards and decks is because things don't rotate. So, 
for a from a gameplay point of view, I think that'd be brilliant because then I don't have to sit here and and worry about getting punched by Ragavan for like another thousand years. However, there's no way people are going to feel comfortable like, hey, I just spent ninety dollars on this Ren and Six, this monkey, and it rotates in a year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my concern too. Like a big appeal of modern traditionally was you can play your deck for a long time. I think. On one hand, we kind of have this unofficial rotation already where when a new Modern Horizon set comes out, a lot of old things just aren't as competitive as they used to be. On the other hand, I don't know if you want to codify rotation into Modern. I think that I think that people would be unhappy about that. I think that the answer is, and I don't know how you answer this with Ragavan and the stuff that already exists, but maybe it toned down the next Modern Horizons a little bit so it's not quite as impactful. Somewhere between one and two, I think might be the right power level for Modern Horizons. Uh, but just yeah, wait, I don't... Just wait, I want, Seth. Oh, no. Wait for what? There's there's going to be a better Ragavan. It's going to be like Raga Truck or something <laughs> like that. And then and then it's just going to be... Dude, oh, my God. You're, you're oh. going to... Oh, it's going to be great. I mean, yeah. it's gonna be great. that's the way it has to be, right? They're, they're going to sell Modern Horizons three and four and five and six and if everyone's playing monkey you got to replace the monkey with something else right either explicitly with rag a truck or something that hoses monkey yeah. so bad that you will not play it anymore right like and then you have some which other concerns archive, right? me like <laughs> what hoses monkey oh no I, I i i don't know but just like think bob right like five years ago you could have spent i don't know how much bob costs but a lot like bob used to be a lot in modern, it's like 90 right? you, you could have bought a playset, yeah. and bob has rotated right because right in six took his slot and kills him like bob is super dead <laughs> right like there's like yeah. no reason to play bob because it dies to everything and its direct replacement is the thing that kills it so like bob is officially rotated and i think there will come a day when ragavon and red and six will rotate too um but i'm so concerned I don't know for what that, that day would be. <laughs> I am so concerned for that day, Richard. Like, like Path no. to Exile is rotated. Like, have you noticed this? No one plays Path. I yeah, play like, Path. Why play Path? Just play no. Solitude. It's just better. It's free. But well, because uh, you need more. Well, wouldn't it wouldn't it feel worse if they said uh, you can't play this card anymore? I think it's more, it's slightly more subtle this way that you just print like you know Prismatic Ending and March of Otherworldly Light and Solitude and you don't really play Path anymore but that feels somehow a little bit better than Wizards being like oh Path has rotated it is now illegal in your deck so I still think that like officially rotating would feel even worse in some way but if you rotated like, Red and Six you could actually play Bob again maybe that's, <laughs> right like, that's uh, and the it difference, maybe right? would help uh, and maybe it would help with power creep too. Like if it was rotating, then you wouldn't have to top Ren and Six. You wouldn't have to top Ragavan. You could just rotate them. But then uh, extended ended up being very unpopular at the end, and that was like kind of rotating modern. I guess not quite as big as modern, but similar idea. So yeah, I mean, interesting. The interesting irony ideas. is every time they release a modern Horizon set, the card pool shrinks. Right, like the the number of cards that are viable to play <laughs> gets lower every time they release new cards. Right, like. I mean, Loris comes out every <laughs> the whole mana curve it goes out the window, right? And like even today, like you have to, all your creatures are one or two drops, and that's your win con. Like anything else is like too tempo inefficient. So like a whole swath of the meta game and card pool is just gone, right? So it's weird. Just, you 
you do realize that the Lord of the Rings that next year, if you look at the timing, it basically lines up when when it should be a Modern Horizons set. So can you imagine the reaction if like the next Ragamons and Urza sagas are Lord of the Rings cards? Oh, that'll be that'll be a fun day. That'll be a fun day in modern. <laughs> oh god, reactions. Wait, is Lord of the Rings Frodo is Eagle? better than Ragavan? The format for Lord of the Rings. It is. Is it standard? Lord of the Rings for some reason not standard, but it is modern legal. Yeah, so it's like Modern Horizons basically legality I, I want to see the news like Gandalf the Grey wins the pro tour <laughs> and you're like I think you have screwed mm. up <laughs> your marketing is not working um, alright uh, that's all time we have for Fishville this week thank you to everyone who sent in questions if you have future questions send them to at mcgoldfish with the hashtag mgfishmail and we'll get to your questions on air and I believe that brings us to the end of episode 392 of the MTG Goldfish podcast so Richard Krim thanks for hanging out thanks everyone for listening thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show and we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic so until then have a great week everyone and this is the crew signing out.